Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we preview what's coming to theaters in the near future. It's your life for The Rock one more time. And our movie picks for the 2010s. Or the last decade. Or whatever you want to call it. All this and more for us pinball wizards. As we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back once again with the pop culture cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our pinball shark of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Also, his great show, Topicocalypse, and his award-winning book, because I gave it the award. Congratulations, you suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Do you know I'm always tempted to start the show off with, uh, what's that? You know, it's just see like if you add on to it or if we're that's so far aged now that nobody really cares or understands what the reference to. It's from the 90s, man. You cannot do that. You cannot. Hey, the 90s will live forever. So you say. So you say. All I see is stuff mainly from the 80s that gets rebooted, man. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. But it's going to be a great episode we've got for you today. The reason why we threw in the pinball stuff is because I've got not only one, not two, but three great interviews from CES 2020 from three great pinball vendors out there. Toy Shock, Ace Computers, and Stern Pinball. All three are going to be part of the show today. we got great interviews lined up with all of them. Plus, also as well, Josh and I are going to talk about an upcoming show based on The Rock's life. How popular will it be? We'll talk about that coming up later in the program. Plus, also as well, we're going to talk about my picks and Josh's picks for the best films of the last decade, the 2010s, the previous decade, or whatever you want to call it, whatever they're calling it. I don't know. It's just the previous decade, the 2010s. So, Josh... Are you ready to hit it when it comes to what's coming up to theaters? Oh, yeah. We are going to go ahead and give you a little bit of a preview on what we think is good, not good, what's coming out here in the next few months. Well, actually, you know what? We'll go for this time as far as the preview up to the end of April. So before it gets into the really heavy-duty stuff coming out in May, we'll go ahead and preview some of the movies coming out from now until the end of April for you. So first off, this coming Friday... The weekend of January 17th, got Bad Boys for Life, Doolittle. Those are the two big wide releases. 
And I said, Josh, that we're going to probably save a little bit for Doolittle, but I want to ask you real quick on Bad Boys for Life. Do you think there's anything left in the Bad Boys whole scenario the third time around? I think a, a certain type of audience, yeah. The, the people who like grew up watching those movies, even like the second one was, what, five or six years spaced out from the first one. Looking at how Gemini Man was received by people, I don't see Bad Boys 3 doing that well. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think it's probably going to be something that has a little bit of nostalgia kicked into it, but I don't think it's going to go ahead and rekindle the fascination that we once had with whatever Will Smith was doing or whatever project Will Smith was part of. Coming up on the weekend of January 24th, we've got Run, The Turning, and also The Gentleman with Guy Ritchie's film, The Gentleman, looking like of the three Maybe The Turning as a horror movie because people want to go ahead and check out horror movies from time to time. But The Gentleman, Guy Ritchie's movie with a star-studded cast, to me looks like the movie that could be a little bit of a surprise coming up near the end of the month of January. Yes, so this is one that I am actually really excited about because this is Guy Ritchie going back to doing these crime capers are what he does best. And I'm really excited about it because it's – not attached to anything, right? It's just a standalone movie. So I think this could be a really fun popcorn flick for people who are just, you know, looking to go see something on a rainy day. Well, we've got at the end of the month, we've got Gretel and Hansel, which is supposed to be a fantasy horror type movie, and the rhythm section as the major releases coming out that weekend. The rhythm section with Jude Law in a supporting role may get some interest. I only just started seeing the trailers and commercials for it recently, so I'm not sure if it's going to get that word or buzz or you know, that cut type of, uh, I guess, attention that maybe this film might deserve when it comes out later this month. February 7th, we've got Birds of Prey. That's the movie I think everybody seems to be pointing towards to after what's going on here with 1917. Birds of Prey seems to be the biggest release outside of what we're seeing with 1917 with Margot Robbie, obviously extending the DC universe even more. The best thing that came out of Suicide Squad was Margot Robbie's um, Harley Quinn. And that is the best place for them to start. On the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, you got Downhill with Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Drivis. That one that we've seen some commercials on a ski trip that really goes awry for both of them as a couple and fantasy island which we've talked about before on this podcast moving into a horror genre you know out of an old property create a new niche for it so we'll see what happens there what about love which is a romance starring andy garcia Cher stone this looks like to be a collection of actors and actresses together whether or not that one's going to hit we'll have to wait and see but it is right around valentine's day so you know that could be gaining off that type of audience also as well ordinary love with liam neeson that might also hit as well and sonic the hedgehog that one you know that one's been a lot under a lot of scrutiny do you think it has anything for audiences after the controversy it created with sonic looking so poorly before i think so because this could be the movie that calls a ton of people out on the hypocrisy of the internet right you have all these people who complain I don't like his eyes. I don't like his his voice. I don't like his fur, his ears, or whatever it was. And then what would that say about people who complained about it and then don't go to see the movie? You know, especially since the director had the goodwill towards the fans to go through and fix all this stuff to be exactly how people wanted it to be. 
is it going to be good? Probably not. They listened to you, they heard what you wanted, and they went out and did it. So people should go out and support. And if they don't, I, I fear what's going to be happening in the coming years for cinema. Coming up next, right after that, on the 21st of February, because we're going to go rapid fire on this, Brahms, The Boy 2, continuing that series of the horror movies, The Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford and Karen Gillan. Those are the two movies that are coming out on the weekend of February 21st. I don't get much buzz from either of them, even though there's some big names involved. So I don't think there's going to be much success from those two films. On the 28th of February, you've got The Ride, also The Invisible Man. I just don't see anything that's really jumping out at me as far as a hit movie is concerned. Hopefully, as we get closer to these release dates and maybe a lot more footage is shown for some of these films, maybe we can get a better vibe from it. But right now, I don't see anything really from the latter half of February that I think is going to hit with audiences. The weekend of March 6th, you've got Onward. That's the Pixar movie with Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. I think this movie might get some good buzz, and I think this movie does have some hope as far as an original IP and original IP from Pixar. What do you think on that one? Yeah, I agree. It's got the star power behind it. It's got the trailers have been really funny. You know, and I'm sure once it gets closer to release, we'll be seeing a lot more marketing for it, especially, you know, at Disneyland, because they always have to market those Disney film stuffed animals, T-shirts, things like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeing good things for Onward. From A24, and that's First Cow. And I think it's going to be notable because I might be one of the last, if not the last performance of Rene Abouchanois, who we know from Star Trek, Deep Space Nine and all that. So it's one of the main reasons why it might garner some interest. And also The Way Back with Ben Affleck. Just, I don't know. It's a sports movie. I'm not sure if it's really going to get an audience that is hoped for, but March the 6th, we'll see what comes out because it's going to be just after the buzz from the Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens there. For the weekend of March 13th, you have I Still Believe and also Bloodshot with Vin Diesel and My Spy, the movie that Dave Bautista made a long time ago and it got pushed back into this year. I don't see much from My Spy. It looked horrible. It looked like something that they were trying to create similar to Kindergarten Cop. But do you think Vin Diesel in something outside of the Fast and Furious movie can hit? Um, One can only hope because this is, from what I understand, they the next Riddick film is in production. And I'm curious, like, if Bloodshot does not do well, are people going to care about Riddick anymore? Especially within within a in Vin Diesel and an original IP, is Hollywood going to touch him if this doesn't do well, right? Because he has Fast and the Furious, he has Riddick, and you know that might just be the end of his career. He might just be trapped in those walls if he does not if this is not something people want to see. But even just watching the trailers, it's like, okay, so what what's special about this film? On the 20th, the 20th is actually the date that you really want to circle because A Quiet Place Part 2, that one, there's a lot of expectations on it now. It was a big hit, a very big surprise hit when the first one came out. Now you get to see what happened on the day one of the actual infestation of the aliens. The the trailer came out for it and was really impressive. So A Quiet Place Part 2 on the 20th. That could go ahead and blow away My Spy, Bloodshot, or anything else at that point in time. What are your impressions on A Quiet Place Part 2? Yes, I am, I'm all in on this one. I really enjoyed A Quiet Place. It had so many elements that came out of nowhere and surprised me. 
the big question here is can a movie like that exist beyond one movie? And I can tell you that I have never been more curious about anything film related in my life. On the 27th, Mulan, the live action Mulan, which has gotten a lot of good buzz and a lot of different buzz and a lot of bad buzz and a lot of controversy all wrapped up into one since the trailer first came out. I still think it's going to do well at the box office. I think Disney's going to promote it. I do not think that it's going to do as well as some of its other live action brethren, you know, like Aladdin or the Lion King or whatnot. But I still think it's going to do well above the other not so well performing live action remakes such as Dumbo, Mary Poppins. I think it's going to do somewhere in the middle. In April, we're going to see on April the 3rd, that weekend, The New Mutants, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runway, The Lovebirds, and St. Maud. Of those four, I might say The New Mutants because that's the one that's been heavily scrutinized. Parts of it were redone. You know the Disney-Fox merger really put a kink into that movie schedule. They moved it to another weekend because of it. Your thoughts on The New Mutants real quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to expect from it. I don't know. I haven't really watched a lot of the trailers. You know, I know that it's, I've, I saw the first one. I know it's supposed to be a uh, slash horror film. Uh, I know. I also know that they, they've had to delete some tweets this weekend regarding its place in the MCU. And if it is a part of the MCU, you know, that might be another like Amy Pascal comment. You know, she's talking to Kevin Feige and he shakes his head on camera. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I'm hopeful for it. You know, this is either going to be the beginning of Mutants in the MCU or the end of the last X-Men franchise. So we'll just have to wait and see. Right after that, we've got the biggest favorite to do well in the month of April. And that's the, the last James Bond movie with Daniel Craig, No Time to Die. And you and I will be going over this probably in the coming months as too. We think it's looking really good and we're both very interested in seeing it. On the weekend of April 17th, you've got Charm City Kings. And I think people are just still going to be interested in what's going on with No Time to Die that came out the weekend before. You also have the horror movie Antlers and Monster Problems, which are also going wide on the weekend of the 17th. But again, unless I see more from those two movies, I don't have very much faith in them supplanting the James Bond movie No Time to Die, at least at that point in time in the schedule. And then the last weekend... Of April, April 24th, you've got Bad Trip, Antebellum, and Fatima. I'm going to ask you this when it comes to those wide releases, also the ones I mentioned previously, going all the way back to the 10th. Could it be a situation where Black Widow, which is scheduled to come out on May the 1st, where No Time to Die is the reigning champ three weeks in a row? One can only hope, right? Unless it gets the reviews of Quantum of Solace, which weren't exactly... um you know, a piece of solace for the 007 franchise. I'm hopeful, yes. How long will it stay on top? I guess that's a whole other thing. But then again, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of movies coming out in that small release window. So I'm actually really curious to see how it stacks up when Black Widow comes out. Like, because that'll be the first Marvel film to come out post-Spider-Man. And this is one that is pre-Avengers. So it's like, it's a weird timeline jump, but yeah, I'm curious to see how they stack up against each other. How is Black Widow even going to do? There are still some good movies I am really looking forward to in the first four months of the year. What movies are you looking forward to in the first four months of the year? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com 
Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up after the break, we've got a lot of great things to talk about because we're on the floor at CES with Gary Stern from Stern Pinball. We're going to go ahead and have a conversation with him on what they just announced, some Stranger Things, a lot of great fun with that, and also a Star Wars pinball machine as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back once again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming back to you right here from CES 2020, and I'm here once again, as I am pretty much every year, at one of the best places to go right here in CES 2020, and that is Stern Pinball. And of course, who shall you talk to when you go to Stern Pinball but the man himself, Mr. Gary Stern. Gary, thank you so much again for being on the show one more time. Thanks for having me, having us, coming to see our pinballs and playing. you got to have fun because that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. You know, I tell you what, your machines, every time you introduce a new one, it just gets better and better and better and more impressive each and every time out. But you see, it gets even better for you with the new Stranger Things pinball machine that just was renounced by your company. Yep, and it's one of our, it, it's our new cornerstone game. We just started this month. We do, we call it Cornerstone. It's our main games. Three games a year with a pro, a premium, and a limited edition model. One size doesn't fit all, so we have good, better, best for game operators, commercial use, for collectors and enthusiasts, and for just rec room buyers, general homeowners, somebody who just, like myself, who just wants to have a game in their house. And that's something that's always been appealing to me about what you're offering is because you not only offer one end of the spectrum when it comes to the type of pinball machine but you again like you said you offer it at more affordable pricing or different tier plans for the different tier type of player and we also have a different title game at star wars we call it the pin it's non-coin op it's totally not commercial though it has commercial grade parts in it and that's for the home and whereas our pro will have an msrp of uh sixty one hundred dollars through our limited edition that is $9,100 MSRP. Um, the Pro is uh, is $1,500 less than, uh, excuse me, the uh, PIN is $1,500 less than the Pro. It's $4,600. So for the homeowner, that's also a good choice. It's a it's a really fun game. It's a real pinball machine. Little smaller footprint, full-size play field. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about there with the Star Wars unit because it is more approachable to consumer audiences. And I know you're very privy to what's going on in the marketplace with other individual companies out there trying to provide their own pinball experiences. But again, as a you know, Mr. Stern himself, you know, you are one of the preeminent names in the pinball industry. How does that translate for you as far as making a better experience for pinball owners? Well again, we want to have all of our market segments satisfied having a good game and what have you. We are of the of the terrestrial of the full size of pinballs. We're eighty-five plus percent of the market. Uh, we had a market study done and so forth. Yet there's still so much more market to address. Uh, our study shows that, uh, you know, we're, we haven't scratched the market. It's a billion dollar market and growing. So there's so many different things that we can do. We see at this show, we see people uh, who are excited about uh, their products they have that are video simulations of pinball. 
in littler cabinets, but that's a good way for people, you know, we're happy that they're introducing that, but we have the real pinball machines where the ball is wild uh, and it, it's, it's a randomizer, uh, there's no programming that says what's going to happen next. It's a ball and bat game. Uh, that it is, and I'll tell you what, as I go and see it now, it's very impressive. Uh, I want to ask you this, and you know, like I said, you've been doing this now for many years. Yeah. You've been uh, actually here at CES for many years. I've actually been seeing you many, many times on this floor. I want to ask you, how satisfying is it for you over the course and involvement of where pinball machines have come from to where they could be going next? Oh, and they're going a long way next. And over the next uh, months and a few years, we're going to introduce a lot of new things. I'm very excited. This game here, this uh, Stranger Things, besides being a great title worldwide, our pro and, uh, I mean, our premium and limited edition has something never before done in a pinball machine. It has a projector uh, in, in the very front of the game, and we're going to project more animations. And onto those onto white screens, and we can project. We do project uh, instructions, and, and we change what targets do by changing the the projection of telling you what they are. So there's a whole new canvas that we can draw on now. And I tell you what, the sky's the limit, or actually the pinball's the limit <laughs> when it comes to that concern for your company. I'm just happy, like I said, to see what you've got here. You come every year, and you impress everyone every time out. And I'm telling you what, it's just so, even you know, even what I'm seeing now with the Stranger Things and also the Star Wars cabinets, it looks like the future is even better for your company. Oh, it, well, we're growing. We have plans to grow, but we've been growing uh, 25, 30% a year for the last six, seven, eight years. And that's because we're making good games, fun games. Uh, they're not heart lung machines, they're fun. And, uh, and so uh, with all the different, coming to the show here, uh, we are exposing pinball to more and more people, real pinball, and it's just, it feeds the growth of it. It does indeed. Now, if anybody wants any more information on the pricing, the various tiers, the Star Wars cabinet, the Stranger Things cabinet, or anything else Stern has to offer, where's the best place that they can turn to? Uh, our website, of course, is the first place to go, sternpinball.com, and there you can find local dealers and distributors that you can contact and get first-hand information. And of course, call our marketing people at, this, at, uh, at our company, you'll see the phone number there. But I say, uh, look first on our website, and then you'll see a whole list of dealers locally for you. Well, I'll tell you what, it's very impressive indeed. Gary, I just want to thank you so much for thank taking the time again. to speak to me today. And I'll tell you what, if you want to be a pinball wizard, just step on into a Stern pinball machine right here for the great company known as Stern, right here at CES 2020. Gary, thank you so much for being part, once again, of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so very much. And by the way, you notice I'm wearing some of our merch here. There you so go. We have everything pinball. Absolutely. Gotta love it if you're a pinball That's fan. It. That's it. Perfect. Yes. Thank, thank you so you. much. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, we talked about it before that we're going to go ahead and let everybody know our thoughts on the previous decade when it comes to the top films. So I want to hear your thoughts, man. What are your top films of the 2010s? Okay, so these are, you know, the orders can probably be shifted around a little bit here. But, you know, I'll start at what I have listed at number 10, something that we have debated over a lot. And it was King Arthur. I'm a huge fan of Guy Ritchie. Uh, this is just a, you know, is a different take on the King Arthur story. And I just, I loved the, uh, I love the editing 
more than anything else in the film. It wasn't, you know, the story was, it was what it was, but I just, I love the way that this movie was edited. And I think Charlie Hunman did a pretty great job in it. So that's where I stand on that. Next one, I got Dunkirk. That was a surprisingly good movie. Like, I don't know what I was expecting from a Chris Nolan war film, but it was, it was good. It was well done. Like it seemed very respectful to the source material and the historical time it was set in. So I was pleasantly impressed with that. You know, my dad, me and my dad went to go see my dad doesn't like most movies and he actually came out like impressed with this movie that this one and one other one i got on my list which i'll get to in a minute at number eight i have little italy you know this is a weird one for me it has hayden christensen and emma roberts like this was one that like it was my top film of the year last year just because it's it's fun i don't know i just felt really good watching it i haven't like had that movie buzz for a long time but this was kind of this one you can watch on amazon prime right now it's an indie film and it was actually really well done Number seven, The Inbetweeners. So this is the movie that finished off the BBC series, The Inbetweeners. Really awkward. If you're jumping right into this instead of watching the series first, I got to be honest, it's probably one of the most awkward things you'll ever see in your life. But there's something about capturing that era of being a teenager when you're, you know, you're just out of high school trying to figure out what you want to do next with your life and just all the shenanigans that tumultuous time of your life can lead to. Definitely check it out, though. It's a British comedy, so if that's your your jam, then this would be a movie you'd want to look at. Inception, where do you stand on Inception, man? As a guy, not a guy, as a uh, Chris Nolan film, because I had to watch it five times before I like saw the genius in it. What are your thoughts? I don't think we've ever talked about this. Well, we'll be talking about it here coming up after the interview that we have coming up with Ace Pinball, because it's on my list too, but we'll oh. save that for later. Oh, dang. All right, cool. All right, next one, I got Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2. Like, this was good. You know, this was the end, much like Avengers Endgame. Like, this was the end of a pop culture movement. I think it was executed very well. You know, I love the idea of splitting the last book into two films because that kind of gave them really a lot of time to explore what these characters are, what they've been through, and where they're going, what they could be in the future. And just like the uh, the confrontation, it was... You know, there granted there are a few things missing from the books, but it was almost word for word pulled right off those pages. And I think David Yates did a great job with this. You know, one could only hope that maybe that magic will return to uh, the Fantastic Beast franchise, but we'll see. Next one, I got Avengers Endgame. I know we talked about that last week. Certainly need to go back into why I love that movie so much. But again, end of a pop culture movement, right? And I guess you could say beginning of something new, but. It was just very well done. They put a bow on everyone's storylines pretty well, and uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, Number three, 007 Skyfall. This was one that did get nominated for a bunch of awards. This was following um, Quantum of Solace, which didn't do well. Like This was a really great return to form for that franchise, and it the acting in it was just stellar. It was amazing. So definitely one of my top five 007 films. Number two is another indie. It's called Tonight Your Mind. So it's about these indie rockers at this music festival in the UK. And they're fighting and this preacher comes up and he handcuffs them together. So they have to go through their sets and play together. So it's just it's kind of an interesting film to see two people who hate each other eventually learn to like each other by the end of the night, despite the fact that they're in different music, different scenes. It's a interesting juxtaposition. Number one, I got Blade Runner 2049. I've talked this movie to death and 
everyone should know why I love it so much, but it's just, it was amazing. You know, the acting was awesome. Cinematography was awesome. The philosophical and theological themes behind the film were just fantastic and very well thought out. This was another one that me and my dad went to go see. My dad came out. He's like, that was probably one of the best movies I've seen in the past five years. And that's saying quite a bit. So that's my top 10. I'm sure I'm, I forgot some things somewhere along the line, but tell me about yours. What you got, man? Well, I'm going to say that after our interview. Okay, I'll, I'll give my list, but I got two questions for you real quick. King Arthur, man, that movie blows. It blows bad. The year we were talking about it, we, it was on one of my worst lists. It was actually one of my worst films of that year and one of your best. The, the difference is like the continental divide as far as our opinions on that film, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. I've always said I'm glad you enjoyed it because I sure didn't. <laughs> well, you know, I a lot of the, the films, it is actually not a fair position to be in. I was going to say a lot of the films that you like, I don't, but I haven't seen half of them, so... That's a <laughs> a thing here. But um again, you know, the story was just whatever. I what really drew me to this, I'm a I'm a cinema nerd. You know, I like things that go beyond the stories. I like the editing and the acting and things like that. And for King Arthur, the story was not fantastic, but I just I loved watching the editing and the way the music all came together. There's a lot of technical things about it that I loved more than the story. So that's kind of where I stand on that. There was a lot of technical things that I didn't like about that movie either. So let's just say it, it was the most, some of the most blatant green screening I've ever seen in my life. Again, that's mm. that's a, that's another mm. argument for mm. another day. Okay, you, you, all right. Okay, you, you, like I said, you enjoyed it, and I'm so glad you did. And the number two thing is the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, because you mentioned in your deal as far as Avengers Endgame being high up, Although when we did our spoiler cast, you said Avengers Endgame was like number four, number three. So I don't know other, where the other two movies were on that list. Avengers Endgame, I think, is it might not be my top Marvel film, but I think it's a very significant Marvel film. I think Avengers Endgame kind of encompasses everything relating to Marvel for me. My list will be announced pretty soon here, but first off, we're going to have an interview coming up right after break from CES 2020 at Ace Computers. I'll tell you what. They have done just a tremendous job as far as what they've presented with pinball and bringing it to a new era. But they'll explain it better than I can because it's on the way. Our conversation with Ace right for the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we are back once again at CES 2020. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. I'm at Ace Computers. Not only do they have a great lineup of gaming peripherals for, for those guys that, and gals that just love to go ahead and just love the hardcore PC gaming action, but I'm also here to talk about virtual pinball because they're taking their stab at the marketplace with some great looking machines. And here today with me is Jeff Hoekstra. 
Tiger and Gerald, that's right. All right, I, I'm good. I, you know what? I'm on a roll with these names at CES. You got it. You yes. got my name perfect. Some years it goes bad, some years it's not easy to pronounce. There you go, there you go. So I'll tell you what, it's just caught my eye, and I've had a chance to interview several vendors about their entries. What makes Ace Computers' entries into the virtual pinball marketplace so much more special than what's being introduced out there as well? well we're always evolving and advancing our technology with virtual everything, computers, desktops, and now we're moving into the, uh, the pinball slash arcade world. And this machine, what makes it special is you get one arcade machine, it virtually does every arcade up to 8,000 games, open source, and it saves space, whereas every individual game might be several machines in your family room or your, your human resources room. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get gaming into corporate America because it's a calming, relaxing type of game for Absolutely. the actual employees who will, we think it's going to lower the cost of their health insurance. We think that this type of virtual application is going to actually be the most popular uh, upcoming arcade type of game where everyone's moving away from the physical mechanical arcade pinball to something that allows them to do any game when a family member arrives. It saves space and uh, we've come up with some advancements with uh, vibratory functions and a VR headset to go with the game so you can actually do a visual uh, VR type of application as well. But uh, our technology I believe is it's made it simple, easy, you can get an SSD, you can do over the air programming so you go to open source you take whatever game galactica it does shooting games does everything not just pinball does every single game you can imagine pac-man and uh, I, I think that for our generation and even uh, maybe some of the younger generations it's going to be a perfect um, transition for the next uh, you know next couple hundred years probably and i'm going to give a quick description of the unit to our listeners out there and not only is it a essentially is a full-size pinball machine right. in structure it has on the top uh, six buttons and two controllers. It's basically right. one controller, six buttons each on it. So like you said, you can, whether it's a vi regular video game, standard arcade game, or pinball machine, it can do it's it all. It's versatile, it literally functions in any capacity. So let's say for example, you buy this, you put this in your house, and well, Susie Ann comes over and says, well, I like Pac-Man. Guess what? Open source, over the air, there's Pac-Man immediately. So no need to buy a separate Pac-Man machine. It's all built in efficiently into one machine. The response time is immediate. It, it feels, with the exception of the vibratory function, it feels exactly like a pinball game or like a, Gal a Galaga game or whatever game you, you actually like. It's been really getting a lot of attention. As you probably noticed, there's a ton of people playing it. Oh, yeah. And we've got a lot of pre-orders already in place. And uh, I don't think we thought it was going to be this popular, but it's definitely taking taking off real, real rapidly. It has, and you know there is a need for it. And I will tell you, like as someone who uh, has also a, a, you know a vested interest in the home arcade community, I have an home arcade machine at home. And the first thing that that people uh, you know ask about, are you going to try and mod it? Are you going to try and go ahead and get this for it? Get that for we it? Are advancing. We're, yeah. we're always looking at advancements. We're, we're thinking about taking some of the audio functions and turning the bass functions into more of the vibratory on the side. So when you're when you're playing the tilt, you feel the vibration when you're playing the pinball. So the reality of it uh, becomes almost nearly the same as a pinball machine. That's really what we're trying to function on. But the uh, the fact that it has 8,000 or more games right on a digital screen 
uh, virtually is so efficient in such a small confined space because an arcade is, is already large as it is. So do you really want to have five or ten machines? And do you want to have the ability to upgrade to any other game you want? That's what, that's what we're looking at here. Absolutely, and it's very impressive. And the only thing I ask is, how is it like transitioning from one game to another? How is the menu system? Instantaneously, instantaneously. Use the joystick, you can flip from one game to the next, all the way through from A to Z, instantly. So it's, just, it's like, it's immediate gratification. And we know that this, our generation now, we've, we've been, with the internet, we've been uh, kind of lured into the immediate gratification. Let's get it right now, let's play right now. But it's very, very fun for everyone. And, uh, and with all the different joysticks, you can play the shooting games, not just the pinball games. Absolutely. So we, we've captured everything that anyone would really want, and we're improving upon the very factors of each game, and I'm sure it's just going to get better and better. Well, I'll tell you what, the multi-pin machines that you have here are extremely impressive, but before we end our interview, i got to ask also as well, sure. what have you got planned for your computer line? Because, you know, Ace Computers, you've obviously got that as the backbone of your company, and, you know, you've got a loyal fan base as far as that's concerned, right. so... Tell me a little about what's going on there as well. years we've been building custom computers. Uh, the government actually trusts us. We have five major government contracts. We service every DOD, Air Force, Navy, everybody, IRS, FBI. And what's happening is we are on the cutting edge of technology. So even though we're not the Dell and HP, we are so fast to catch technology and to embrace it and then give it to the government and to consumers. And that's allow, being small allows the versatility to grab technology, get it into a system, and get it to the consumer and the government quicker than maybe a large organization. Well, you definitely have a great line as well of, of high-end PCs, uh, monitors I see right now. Monster right here. Yeah, my gosh, that's a bad boy deluxe yes. right there. I'm looking at my goodness Don't indeed. Don't put that in your backpack, though. No, 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 no. That'll just weigh me down. That's like looks like it's. Uh, it's a hundred pounds. Yeah. Oh yeah. But as far as it, you know, the the fact that I still see that there's so much as far as the cooling, yes. so much as far as multiple I, fans, multiple yeah. air cooling. We, we're we're keeping up all the cool technology. A lot of the boards have cooling built into the boards, and we have a direct relationship with Intel, AMD, and all the different engineers. So we're always staying on top of everything so the consumers get the absolute most advanced technology they can possibly get and that's what we're going to continue doing because that's the first thing I, I hear or see when you when we talk about you know modding your, your pc or upgrading or things of that nature yep. you know is it running too hot right. is it is it just going to factor because yeah. we know video cards work best at 68 degrees celsius we've discovered that over the last 10 years so keeping your uh, system cool means more efficiency Electricity-wise, it also means more efficiency with the, the speed of the processor as well. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff, it's just amazing here. You've got an excellent booth right here at CES. All the great things with the line of computers, monitors, the bad boy right over there. That's, That's a amazing. showcase. Yeah. That's Very amazing indeed. I can, I can see why. Behind us. So if you need anything uh, transferred, we have multiple NAS drives with terabytes and terabytes of immediate encryption encryption keys. The Air Force has actually tried to hack our encryption and they could not do it. So guess what? They're our best customer now. There you go. There you right. go indeed. Couldn't get any better than that. Again, it's Ace Computers. You know, if, with all this great stuff that you got here, where can people find out more information on where to go about the multi-pin and all the great stuff you got going on at Ace? Real simple. Acecomputers.com. We made oh. it real easy for you. There you go. There you go. Acecomputers.com. Multi-pin, is that going to be available when? Uh, it's actually available right now. 
Okay. And with regards to the actual software, that is up to the, the, the buyer. Once you buy the, the equipment, we sell the hardware. At some point, we're going to probably bundle software, but right now, it's open source. So it's so easy. You open the backup, you put your SSD, you load whatever you want to load, whatever game you want to load. You can do it over the air, or you can just do pick the SSD and load it yourself. Fair enough, fair enough. Because I heard you said pre-order, so I was wondering if it still hadn't come out. So. Yeah, so, so the open source, all the software is just like if you go to the website and you open source it yourself. So we don't, uh, we're not handling the, uh, the software currently, we're just doing the hardware only, and then at some point we're going to probably have a package deal once we get licensing approved, and we'll offer that as well. Oh, that's awesome indeed. Well, but it's an impressive display you have here at Adios Computers. You, you know, if anybody has more questions or wants to go ahead and, and look at, see what they've got, because it is an impressive display, check it out today at acecomputers.com. Jeff Hulkster, thank you. Thank you. It's thank been you. great. Thank you very much. Thank you for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Okay, Josh. So I'm now going to go ahead and tell you my list for the best movies of the decade. So let's go with it, and let's go with it right now. All right. Uh, I, I had to make a little tweak and a little last-minute change, and that was going up. Give it as an honorary mention, which was my number one movie of the year for 2019 that I saw that's going to fit somewhere on this list, but I just not quite sure where. So I had to go ahead and make it an honorary mention because I made a last minute tweak, but here we go. Number 10 inception just truly was an awe inspiring experience. And I think of it as more of a revolutionary film than avatar was at its time to give you an idea. I think, I think that movie is more important to cinema than avatar because I know everybody was talking about the effects of Avatar, but no, I think Inception was something even more special and a much better movie to boot. Number nine, let's go with The Social Network. I know you were surprised when I mentioned The Social Network. I really think it was something that I didn't have any expectations going in, but it came out of it going, wow, that was a great movie, especially because Facebook was just going over that hump and becoming something even more dynamic than what a lot of people were even thinking about at that time. So really uh, have a nice place in my heart for the social network. Number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is where my first entry on my list is for a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And I really think this is a, uh, just an outstanding film. Again, it's another film I went in there having zero expectations because I didn't know the Guardians of the Galaxy. You're the comic book guy. I'm not the comic book guy. So I went in there go not even having any idea about the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I came out, well, just overwhelmed about how good movie that was number seven avengers affinity war infinity war was just truly a, a great movie and i think it's the better of the two movies not by a whole lot but i still think it's it's a great movie nonetheless uh over endgame endgame is still an outstanding picture but that's just missed my list infinity war did make my list especially because of the fact that the Russos were brave enough to go ahead and have that type of ending in the film, no matter what happens in Endgame. Yeah, they go ahead, they went ahead and corrected and all that, but to have the the cojones, uh, to have the guts to go ahead and have that type of ending, and to build it up the way it was structured, and the fact that there was really no gaps or pacing issues at all in the movie for such an uh, extended film, I really enjoyed it. Number six, Crazy Rich Asians, which was my number one movie of 2018. Went in there. I just I heard good things about it, but I didn't really expect very much. And I came out of there going, wow, once again. These are I didn't have these expectations, but I go come out of the theater going, that was a great film. And that was something very unexpected. Crazy Rich Asians at number six. Number five, Deadpool. 
Deadpool was a movie that I thought was just going to be Ryan Reynolds just cursing and, and doing his stick for the entire movie. And yes, it was, but it was his best ever performance at being Ryan Reynolds. I cannot believe how good that movie was to me. My wife and I were just laughing nonstop and it was just a great time and, and is to me the best comedy of the 2010s. Skyfall is at number four, very well-made movie. Sam Mendes gets all the credit for it, and it's something that I truly enjoyed. And I know you enjoyed it, too, because it's on your list as well. Funny how that happens. We're having movies on, on the same list. Number three, it's the best kung fu movie I've ever seen in my entire life, and that's The Raid Redemption. Well, that's with all the Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and all the other great kung fu films that have been out there. Like them all, but The Raid Redemption is that much better, and I highly recommend it. Number two. Ooh, just barely, barely missed on my list as far as being number one. But it was our number one movie of 2017, and that's Blade Runner 2049. It's a movie that both you and I thought was the best movie of the year. It was something that not only as a visual feast, but it was something that as far as it told a great narrative. And I highly recommend it to everybody out there. Yes, it may run a little long for some people. But then again, we're getting more and more used to three-hour films. And I think this film deserved much more love than it got. And last but not least, the number one movie of the decade for me was Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I've gone on and on on several podcasts about how much I love this film. And it is on my top 25 films of all time, the highest from this past decade. And deservedly so, because you want a superhero flick, you want an action flick, you want a spy thriller. You got them all wrapped up into one great film. So there you go, my friend. There's my list. Sorry, no King Arthur to be found. No, I am... The the Raid Redemption is one I still want to go back and watch. Social Network is all right. The Farewell, something I was curious about but never saw. You know, it's a pretty solid list of movies here. You know, I'm not going to rip your heart out over it like you did with King Arthur, but, uh, you know... We'll, People we'll, should go back in time and for that original discussion on that film. That, that's something. <laughs> that's something. Without that was gold. That this was is gold. like when you're like when the internet attacked me for Wonder Woman. That would, no, I think mine was better. <laughs> I think that was better. The, I think you and I, if we had not been in 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 different states, we would have come to blows over that. <laughs> okay. But I, that was the same year Blade Runner 2049 came out, and we were both in agreement on how good Blade Runner 2049 came out. And that's that's just something that I think we both agreed on. And Captain America Winter Soldier, we both have a great affinity for. I know you've spoken about it. I know it just wasn't on your list, but I know if you re had more time to think about it, it would fall somewhere on your list. And I, I know Captain America Winter Soldier, to a lot of people, is the best MCU movie. So there you go. Any last thoughts on our list? No, no, I'm just I'm I, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, what movies are going to be uh, coming out in the next 10 years. You know, are we going to be having this conversation again the next 10 years? I'm I'm excited to see what the future of cinema holds, especially with all these like streaming platforms and how the game's changing. I am as well. I'm excited for it. There should be a lot more choices. And you never know. King Arthur, too, might be one of them. So what are your thoughts out there on the best movies for you for this past decade? Let us know. Send us your list. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. All right. Before we head on out, we're going to go ahead and have another great interviews from CES. It's our friends at Toy Shock talking about their great line of pinball machines. 
They've got a lot of variations, got some uh, machines that will go ahead and play a lot of games into one. So you got to check out my interview coming up with the folks at Toy Shock coming up right after the break. And after that, we're going to talk about The Rock. Is a young rock a rock worth watching? We're going to talk about that to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald coming right back at you here at CES 2020. I'm here at Toy Shock. And I tell you what, if you haven't heard of Toy Shock, you're missing out because there's a lot of great pinball action, a lot of great stuff that's going on. But you've got a little bit of a different spin that came out last year with some of your units. And I've got it right here, a great person that's going to tell me all about it in Patrick Walton from Toy Shock. So Patrick, I want to hear what's going on with Toy Shock, the response you got initially when your units came out last year, and what you got going forward with all the great titles the multiple games and the multiple features that you have for your units. Sure, sure. So overall, the overall response was positive when the machines were first released. Um, and then there was some feedback. Uh, some of the folks said, you know, we'd like to have the ability to have uh, adjustable legs. Uh, that silver bezel, we'd like that to be a different color. Um, and then also, um, we'd like to have the ability to play more games or have a second screen or things of that nature, as well as to keep in, uh, keep up to pace with our competition, right? So, of course, we have new models coming out that, as you can see over there, I know they can't see it on the podcast, but uh, we're going to have dual screens, so they're going to have a 14-inch LCD in the back box. We've redone the bezel, so on our Generation 1 machine, it's now Black 1, it's now all black. On the Wave 2 machines, when those come out, those will be a mix of black and silver. You're going to have adjustable legs. We've, you're going to have a new plunger. The new plunger is awesome. Uh, you're also going to have 12 different games, a faster processor, and a, that 14-inch LCD back box that'll act as a DMD. So a lot of these features are going to keep people excited about having Toy Shock pinball machines in their house. And that's something I also wanted to go into a little yeah. bit more uh, in, in detail, is that when it comes to the Toy Shock pinball machines, maybe... You know, when it comes to it, it's just the features, the choice. But what, you know, really, when you get a Toy Shock pinball machine, what exactly are some of the most, uh, you know, interesting aspects of getting it? I mean, like you mentioned, uh, multiple games, multiple features on it, and just so many things interesting when I see it. But, you know, maybe not as many people are as familiar with it yet. So, you know, give them an update on what's going on with Toy Shock. And, and not only all the stuff, like you said, that you have already that you announced, but, you know, overall and what Toy Shock is all about when it comes to the pinball experience. Sure. So, you know, Toy Shock is obviously brand new to the market. You got a lot of companies who have seen the success of other companies. Some of them are at this show and said, you know what? We could do it. Maybe we could do it better. Maybe we could just have fun and be part of the market. So when it comes to these machines, one thing that I really love about them is the, the fact, the quality of the build. These things are built like a tank. You can have your 10-year-old kids swinging on this thing 
and not worry about it toppling and crashing to the floor. The quality of the games, if you love classic Gottlieb titles, you're going to love these games. The experience is fun. The machines are portable. You get, I, we had a guy on our Facebook fan page, which if you haven't joined it yet, it's the official Toy Shock digital pinball fan page on Facebook. We put all new releases and stuff on there, like new updates for the community. All that stuff comes out right away. Now, we had a guy who actually mentioned he took his Toy Shock machine to his uh, New Year's Eve party, and he said it was the hit of the show. And that no one, there wasn't a minute that went by where someone wasn't on that machine. So that's the kind of experience we're trying to, you know, get out there. Oh, that's awesome. And I'll tell you what, the, the lineup right here looks great. If somebody wants more information, price point, where it's available, the retailers, or they just want to go ahead and see what's coming up next at Toy Shock, where do they need to go? Sure. So they can go to the website, toyshock.com. They could also go to the official Toy Shock fan page on Facebook, um, as well as we have YouTuber P-Dub, P-Dub's Arcade Loft, and also, where else can we go? I think that's about it. So we're definitely going to be, uh, you're going to see more and more news drop. Uh, we're gonna, with the titles of the new games coming on the new machines, the new pricing, what new features, and release dates. As of right now, uh, they have the one machine available at walmart.com for $400. And then these are slowly going to come out as well. And then we're hoping the new wave of machines by the end of the year. So oh, That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome to hear indeed. Once again, I'll tell you what, Toy Shop Pinball, a great future looks all set already become a, I guess what you could say is a virtual pinball wizard, so to speak? So to speak, yeah. So to speak. So to speak. Well, with the choices in games, especially the fact that you've got ones that do a variety of games, that is very enticing indeed at an affordable price point that makes it so much more attractive to a larger audience. Absolutely, I would agree. Uh, awesome indeed. Again, Patrick, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of it, uh, just being here at CES, showing off what you have here at Toy Shock, and just being part of the pop culture cosmos. Yeah, thanks for visiting us. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks indeed. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back to close out the show. This is Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, I'll tell you what, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank enough the folks at Toy Shock. Ace Computers and Stern Pinball competing today for everybody out there as far as the pinball is concerned. It was a great time at CES to not only see those three companies having their say as far as the future for the pinball industry, but also as well Arcade 1UP from last weekend with their own virtual pinball setup coming up. So it's very interesting to see. I'll tell you what, whether you want a three-quarter inch version that you can get now at a low price like Toy Shock or you want a more detailed version, the, the stand-up version, you know, like if you want the latest Stranger Things pinball full-size version that Stern offers or their Star Wars unit that they just offered or any of the other full-size units, they're always a great option. But to me as well, Ace Pinball with their option where you can actually have the controllers, two sets of six buttons, and also a full-size pinball machine with a changing display with the fact that you can play arcade games and pinball games and be open sourced, that was truly an option I couldn't believe. It just blew my mind. And I'll tell you what, all those are great options, but you know what? That's that's some money I might be digging into for some pinball action right there for you. How much are these machines? How much do they run for? Well, the Stern and the Ace Pinballs are not cheap. Uh, they run you know, into the thousands of dollars, but the Toy Shock 
version that plays a multitude of games as well. That one is a three-quarter inch size unit. Some other titles you can find at Walmart for right around the $400 mark. Okay. And how, just out of curiosity, sorry, then this is cool to me. How big are they? What were the cabinet sizes? Well, the cabinet size of the Toy Shock, similar to what Arcade 1-Up is. It's like a three-quarter okay. inch version of the actual real-life size. But the Ace Pinball version, that is a full-size, heavy-duty cabinet with the fact that the back screen and also the front screen changes to whatever game that you're doing because you can open source it. So you can have literally eight to 10,000 okay. games in there. And whether you want to play a fighter game with a friend right on the actual unit because the joystick and the buttons are right on the unit, or you want to go ahead and play a pinball game from the past, like from the 50s, 60s, whatever, it pops up right there on the screen and the whole display right there on the glass. And then also right there on the back panel as well. It just blew my mind. It just really was that great to see. But that one is also not cheap at all. Unless it's made by At Games, you know, you're not going to get like a, a a cheaper in price pinball machine. But no, the I, well, Arcade One Up has going to have their own virtual pinball machine, and that will be competitively priced. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just it's it's a lot of people want you know these full size arcade cabinets, full size pinball machines, but they don't know where to get them. So I just you know curious about the information on that. Thank you to all three of those companies for allowing me to interview them, and it's right there for you. Whether you want Stern.com acecomputers.com or find out from the folks at toyshock.com and if you're really into pinball like we are it's going to be a lot of fun for you down the road if you get one of those machines so before we head on out my friend i want to go ahead and close with this the rock has been approached and accepted a offer from nbc to go ahead and develop a show based on his life at a younger age this is not the first time there's been a this is your life on the rock this one actually is going to be an NBC series, but back in the WWE in the Attitude Era in 1999, This Is Your Life, a segment that he did, you know, it was a kind of a joke segment with Mick Foley, turned out to be one of the highest rated segments ever in cable history for the WWE. So I ask you, my friend, is a version of This Is Your Life with The Rock going to be as interesting as a series a second time around? Okay, here's my thoughts on this. You know, The Rock, super interesting. Would love to see a documentary on his life. I don't think I'd get behind a show. You know, multiple episodes. It's one of those things. You know, like when you watch a documentary on homelessness or whatever. You sit there, you watch it. This is interesting. I sympathize. I empathize. Whatever kind of human being you are. And then you turn it off and you're like, okay, I don't really need to watch that again. That's how I feel this show would be. If it was like a two-hour documentary one time through, yeah, I'd totally be interested in it. But having a series with like multiple episodes, I don't think so. It's something I'd want to like sit down and watch over and over again. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, whether you like it or not, the bottom line is it's going to happen with The Rock. Is there going to be cooking in this show? Will they have a segment called Do You Smell What The Rock Is Cooking? I'm sure they will at some point. I'm sure they will. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm in then. There you go. There you go. So what do you think out there about The Rock having a show based on his life at an earlier age? A young rock, as it were. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. On the Friday show, PCC Multiverse, you and I are going to be talking about Robert Downey Jr. and Doolittle, because that comes out this weekend. 
And we want to really get into depth about that because this is his first movie post-Avengers. So I know you and I are going to share some thoughts on that about his future in the movie industry and if he's going to have that same kind of panache and the same kind of cachet going forward with audiences. Plus also we're going to be talking some good stuff with Jessica Boggs and some more great CES interviews as well. Josh, any last thoughts on the way out? So I would actually love, uh, you know, to be able to talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order one of these nights because I am playing that game and I feel silly for uh, ever doubting for ever doubting it. It's an amazing game. But yeah, I'll have some thoughts on that when I'm done, probably in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. I don't think we were ever doubting the game. I think we were just doubting the company that was making the game. I think that was the situation there. You know, I still think they shot themselves in the foot based off the way they last minute sent out the copies for reviews. That I, I didn't think was in their best interest. But you know what? They've been able to overcome that with continuous marketing that we see even to this day, which most November releases don't get. So you know what? They're making up for lost ground, and hopefully it's helping them out at retail. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Okay, let's talk about the Flopcast. Where every week we drink a lot of coffee and we talk about comic books, movies, conventions, music, Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, don't forget the coffee. Lots of weird, obscure pop culture stuff from the 70s and 80s. And chickens. Yeah, chickens. This will be the stupidest half hour of your week. We guarantee it. You can find us on the ESO Network. And... Flopcast.net. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.